Mics up, mics, 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 and I broke a string. Ernest broke a string, jamming out too hard. It sounds worse now. <laughs> it sounded better when you had all the strings. We bought a bike. We bought a guitar we string. Should have bought a guitar string. But now I need a new guitar string. A big Oprah. Man, okay, that was that was a good guitar broken guitar string. You get a mic. We go we go like ska reggae more often than I thought. <laughs> you get a mic. Okay, okay. <laughs> Everyone, look under your seats. <laughs> it's a mic. It's a mic. You don't have to buy a mic anymore. <laughs> Welcome to We Bought a Mic, everyone. Episode number what is this? Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Cool. The, the cool. days all just blend together now. Yeah, <laughs> I don't feel anything. I am Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. I'm Drew Dietzen, and I feel like in the wind, someone like forced chatting with us. Is that right? Yeah, it's like I think it's it's um, Adam uh, dr- Driver. Um, Adam uh, <laughs> is Adam it Driver? Oh, Adam, okay, damn, we really thought we got someone huge. I thought it was Adam Driver. <laughs> we thought we had a big get. All right, well, joining us today is Adam Sardonius. How's it going, man? Uh, not too bad, man. Thanks well, for having me. You want to introduce yourself, man? What do you what do you yeah. do? Who are you? What's your deal? <laughs> um I don't know, man. I I just got like a weird invite for this podcast and I guess I'm on it. I mean I don't know. Guy. It's kind of mysterious how the force works, I guess. Do you have anything um, to do with movies? <laughs> What's up? Do you have anything to do with movies? Have you ever seen a movie before? I actually I've actually never seen a movie. Actually, A Wrinkle in Time was the first movie I've ever watched. Oh, well I have I'm so sorry. Yeah, I have good news for you. It gets better. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I write for a few sites and I do some movie stuff, but I do not consider myself a movie professional in any sense of the word. Well, you're on your way. Yeah, same. We don't really, (laughs) we wouldn't call ourselves that, but hey, it doesn't stop us from being fucking annoying once a week. Yeah. (laughs) On the air. Welcome to the show. We're we're excited to have you, man. Um, we are talking a wrinkle in time today, but before then... Uh, some stuff that we've been watching, and let's just jump right into the news, guys. Let's get this out of the way so we can move on with our fucking lives. Let's talk the Oscars one last time. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on the ceremony and the winners? Have we not done a post-Oscars thing? No. Nope. Wow. Okay. Oh, wow. I know. It feels like it was like a year ago that yeah. the Oscars actually happened at this point. Yeah, but... so if you were if you were tabulating our scores for our uh, – we filled out ballots at home, which I know you were. You know that I won. <laughs> I won the great the great race. I won an incredible thirty five dollars. Well, and you won thirty dollars because five of those were yeah. already yours. It was I would say it was a largely unsurprising night. Everything went. I mean, obviously yep. everything went smoothly compared to last year. Mm-hmm. Um, our stream was not ideal, and so we did miss <laughs> the monologue, which bummed me out. But I was I was I was happy that three billboards didn't like steal the show and. Kind of no one really stole the show. The big winners were Dunkirk and Shape of Water, which was kind of predictable. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, even Shape of Water only got four wins. I mean, yeah. it was really kind of a split night, which kind of makes sense when you consider last year that there was just so many really good movies that came out that yeah. it, there wasn't just a La La Land or a Moonlight that came out that was 
a notch above everybody else. Yeah. The the prediction I'm most happy that I got right is Jordan Peele winning Best Original Screenplay. Oh uh, yeah, that was my favorite moment. Yeah, that that and I was Deacons. Yeah, finally. and Deacons won, which was really big. I was really happy about those two. Um, I can't. I mean, I can't say I'm unhappy about Guillermo del Toro coming up really big. Deserved, well deserved. I'm, yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm not like the hugest fan of the movie, but I liked it. Adam, did you get a chance okay. to watch the show? Oh yeah. Um. I, I gotta say, this is like a weird Oscars because it was like one that everyone was like hyping up to where like no one knows what's gonna win, you know? Yeah. And then it kind of happened and it was still kind of underwhelming and not because of any of the wins in particular, but just because it, it all kind of kind of felt safe, which mm-hmm. is weird considering a weird fish movie won. Yeah, Like exactly. I wouldn't consider that like a, a, a safe year. Yeah. But... It's just weird because like every prediction I made was almost right, and not mm-hmm. like in a snobby way, but just in a the Oscars are kind of predictable now way. Which oh is yeah, kind of um, sad. The, I mean, all but, the favorites won. Yeah, I know, and it's not even like that's not a bad thing because I thought for the most part this is the best best picture lineup we've had in like a few Agreed, years actually. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it was good. Like, yeah, other than the post, I thought all of the films were pretty <laughs> really good. Yeah. yeah, I thought the winners overall were I was really happy with. Um, I wasn't really pissed about any upset or anything like that. Yeah. Across the board, it was solid. The show itself was pretty bad. And I really, yeah. I should just say that the fact that we drank and gambled about it made it a hundred <laughs> times better. We're fucking sinners here. Yeah. And it, it really would have been more boring. All these montages. Why? Are you? Tr- are they trying to okay. sell us on movies? Movies well, are good, dude. Well, the thing is also, I mean, this was, a, there was an excess of movie montages this year, which I guess was because it's the 90th anniversary and every 10 years they have to be like hey remember how great the movies are yeah, yeah like look back at this rosebud there's just like that in a while i don't know it was like i actually thought that jimmy kimmel did a pretty good job yeah, with solid. what he did i mean just because he's the ultimate like safe person like you could get somebody who's better but you could also get somebody who's a hell of a lot worse so like he was just it was a good for him and it was like a good makeup year with the way that he handled the tobacco that happened last year yeah i think they wanted to bring him back another time yeah he did really well he i mean he's fine uh his writing staff is pretty good there was some decent material in there um can we stop with getting people off the streets or interrupting their viewing of a wrinkle in time yeah they were (laughs) They were in the middle of watching the greatest movie of all time, and they got interrupted by a bunch of A-listers. Yeah. That's the only reason why the movie is bad, is because it got interrupted by Army Hammer with a hot dog gun. I was, yeah. when we were watching Wrinkle in Time, I was praying for Army Hammer to come in with a hot dog gun and, and just come save suit. me. Yeah. All right, well, before we move on, Drew, because he won the little pool here, he gets to choose something for, uh, for us to watch as a punishment, I guess. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna watch it with you guys to be completely fair because I this is this is a movie that I think I've mentioned before, but uh, my girlfriend around Christmas time, Allison likes to have just in the background. She'll just have on like Hallmark Christmas movies. Oh no, oh, no. I don't like her. This oh, is Jesus! Going. And usually they're they're just, they're all horrible. And she, I mean, she'll agree with that. They're all really bad. But one night. I just I couldn't go to sleep because I was so captivated by how bad the movie that I was watching was. And this movie is called Merry Christmas. Oh no. 
Oh, no. Adam, you have to watch this too with us. Yeah, Adam, sorry. You gotta sorry, call this in. is why you're yeah, you're guesting on, so I um I've never seen this movie, but just like by hearing the title, I feel like I've spiritually already seen it. Exactly. Yep. It is like this movie is unbelievable. I'm so excited to watch it with you guys because I to try to analyze it, you go a little insane in your head. <laughs> because there's really all the characters don't really have any characteristics. There's one guy who is just like so bad that he's not a person. Nothing happens. I'm going to read the the IMBD yeah. plot synopsis. It says, A woman engaged to marry a self-centered film and stage director slash choreographer falls for a caterer whom she kisses as he does for her. <laughs> what? What? As does he. Is that even grammatically correct? No. I'm no, pretty sure like a he... seven-year-old wrote that. Yeah. As does he for her. <laughs> That's really clunky. It's it's maybe the worst because the room is like the worst movie ever. But I love watching the room; it's hilarious. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. It's not even like enjoyable. There is no attempt to build a plot. It's literally just they kiss and then she keeps. It's like what they make fun of and they came together, where she keeps on going to the exact wrong guy, and it's like, mm-hmm. are you stupid? <laughs> like this, this this guy is perfect and this guy sucks. Hmm, who should I pick? Yeah. It's, it's that kind of movie. You know who doesn't suck. Oh yeah, John Favreau. Wow, that's good. Wow, directing Star Wars. <laughs> there was a transition. Uh, or not directing, <laughs> writing, executive producing, cre- show running, something. Yeah, something um, like that. For, yeah. Star well, Wars, I think that he is going to. I mean, he's going to be the showrunner, and I think that he is going to direct at some, least the pilot. Yeah, at yeah. least some episodes. I mean, John Favreau's extremely talented, but here we go again. He's, he's Disney's golden child. Another really. white male directing Star Wars. And can we just appreciate how they made this announcement on International Women's Day? Yeah. yeah. No way. I yeah. didn't even realize that. Fuck. <laughs> oh That's my horrible. God. Disney uh, is so I mean, Cap- not aware. Kathleen Kennedy she didn't have to do this to herself. She's the one that's doing this to herself because she made it such a public statement that they were going to get minorities like women and people of color to direct these movies. And still there has yet to be a one, not yeah. even one. Yeah. Did I you just... see what Ava DuVernay said on Twitter? Like someone mentioned like that they loved a wrinkle in time and they were like, you know, you need to direct a star Wars movie. And she like made this like very big tweet. She was like, I don't know if I ever want to do a star Wars movie. Oh, like she's over it. Like she yeah. doesn't even, hmm, yeah. She, she probably maybe shouldn't take on Disney property for a little while. Yeah, or yeah, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, but, I mean, hey, John Favreau has proven that he is just like Disney's golden boy. He's yeah. now at his foot in like every kind of facet of Disney Marvel, between Marvel, Jungle Book. live action with Jungle Book, and then the upcoming yeah. Lion King and movie. Honest, and honestly, now he's Star very Wars. talented. He's, yeah, he's genuinely. A I don't want to. I don't want to take this out on John Favreau yeah. just because he's a great filmmaker. But I just wish that Kathleen. Candy and Disney would kind of make more diverse choices, so, especially because it seems like they're almost like they're preaching what they're not practicing. This whole idea of like, yeah, we're yeah. going to get diverse and have women direct the movies and then they don't do that at all. Yeah, yeah. just don't even mention it and keep being racist and sexist like everyone else does. Does, does <laughs> this mean Does this mean though that Benioff and Weiss aren't doing Star Wars or are they still also it's doing a, Star it's Wars? It's a completely... Isn't, no, Benioff and Weiss... Yeah, uh, DB and... Um, what were the names? Benioff, Vice. Yeah. They're doing movies. Yeah, Favreau is doing a TV series. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah okay. So if you're wondering if it's ever gonna fucking end, it's just not. It's, it's not. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm gonna be burned out by the Adam. Time what this What do you think of this whole uh, Disney streaming service and all the Star Wars shit that is just inundating everything? I find it interesting that um John Favreau is doing the shows and the Game of Thrones dudes are doing a movie yeah. or yeah. movies. 
Yeah. Um, it could be. I don't think yeah. it's a bad thing. I think that's interesting. I just think it's like an interesting um, pick. Um, with John Favreau, no, actually, you know what? Like with all these different things they're announcing, I'm just trying to imagine when they all take place. Because this is like what the fifth series they've announced. Yeah. Like, like what are they so. all going to be about? Like, I don't know. I, um, I just want a Knights of the Old Republic show. That's what I want. Yeah. That's yeah. I feel cool. like if honestly, if at least one of them isn't that, like, they're wasting the biggest opportunities because I feel like they're just kind of confining themselves in this like little tight space. Because I don't know about you guys, but I didn't really care for Rogue One that much. Um, it's solid. And, yeah, I just found Rogue One fine. to be very like it was a fun movie, but it wasn't really anything the, super. Special. I didn't. I didn't like it. The best yeah. parts were the reshoots. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah it was like i thought it was a decent movie but like as a star wars movie i thought it was disappointing especially like in this new era where they like promised for it to like all be at a certain standard um and i feel like and with han solo coming out they're just kind of only taking place in that era now mm-hmm. like with like around a new hope and that's what kind of kills me because i feel like they're really just pandering to nostalgia oh yeah for sure and for sure and that's why I'm enjoying, you know, The Force Awakens and Last Jedi a little bit more than, I guess, the Han Solos and Rogue Ones. Um, because I feel like, who would have guessed it, but the um, episodic movies are more ambitious than the other ones. That's true. That is an interesting point. And they, originally when when Lucasfilm got bought by Disney, the plan was, from my understanding, was for it to be the other way around, was for these anthology movies before they became Star Wars stories to be completely separate from everything yeah. that was happening in the main timeline. And now they've reversed course. And I don't know, I think this TV series and you know the trilogy that Ryan Johnson is developing is a great opportunity to do something completely new that just completely changes what we've seen from Star Wars. I mean, I know I don't watch Rebels, but I've heard what that show is doing with now that it's ending. I think it just ended. It just yeah. aired its its final couple episodes, and it is it, I from what I read, it is doing some crazy shit that has never been in a Star Wars movie, like True. time travel and like maybe some parallel reality. Dude, uh, Rebels is amazing. You watch it. Yeah, um, well, I don't want to like out myself and say that I actively watch a Disney XD show. Nice. But I, um, <laughs> you watch that wa- Jake Paul show? <laughs> <laughs> but I've been watching it since um, since it aired. I've I've been keeping up with it for the past four years of my life. And yeah, and I, um, the ending was was great, wasn't it? The ending was fantastic, um, and like you said, I don't want to get like into spoilers or anything, but it like introduced time travel to Star Wars, which I think is a pretty big deal. Like it kind of yeah. changes the game, and. And you could easily really mess that up in a way that does not work. But the show just does... It's so, like, concise and, like, very focused and character-driven. And honestly, I wish I got, like, a movie about this other than, like, Rogue One. Because, like, this is, like, peak Star Wars, kind of. Because it's it's great stuff. And it's bold and new and inventive. And it's not, you know, trying to do any nostalgic... I just yeah, like no. I feel like that's gonna always be the problem with Star Wars though is that they always have to do at least a little bit of pandering because I mean like look at Last Jedi Last Jedi was met with I mean critically it was beloved but a lot of audience people didn't like it because it's different than any other Star Wars movie yeah and that's why like Disney is still a massive corporation they have to appeal to as many people as possible and people just want member berries they just mm-hmm. want to be like oh it's Han Solo oh it's our friends the that we love run. Yeah. the Kessel Run yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah and also in terms of 
like Disney's market strategy, it's very clear they're they're marveling this movie. They're doing the same thing. They're just gonna saturate us with this content until our eyes are bleeding. And I hope that this TV show with Favreau is good because Marvel's shows have been markedly, for the most part, worse than their movies. Yeah. Um. So I'm and I I trust John Favreau to put out decent content, but I don't I don't want to say I'm gonna watch it. I hope it's not 13 hours of Boba Fett shooting people. <laughs> I, I just Christ. really hope it's not. That's that. gonna be the Boba Fett story that we've all been asking yeah. for. You know, but you know what could be Boba Fett 13 hours shooting people? Super Smash Bros on the Switch. Oh. All right, these transitions, you got to stop saying it. You got to stop That was bad, bad <laughs> and you have to stop. <laughs> the last one I could kind of see, but that one, that one I don't was, know. Hey, yeah. man, it, it could, it, both I could join the fight. Come on. Okay. Oh, it my could God. happen. Okay, all right, no, stop. <laughs> all right, so anyways, Nintendo uh, just had a new Direct this past week with some uh, pretty big info, the biggest one being that Super Smash Bros, that was originally Super Smash Bros. 4 for the Wii U, is now coming to the Nintendo Switch. And it's not a port. At TBA. Well, it's going to be mostly a port, I believe, but they are going to include some new characters in it. It's going to be like kind of like how they had a Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, oh. I think, where it's a well, port. Well, it's a glorified port. What was the difference between Smash Bros. for the Wii and Smash Bros. for the 3DS? Were those two completely different games? Made by different people. For the Wii U and for the 3DS? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, For what I know, I don't actually own a 3DS, but I think that they are the exact same game. Okay. From my so knowledge, it, So least. that was a port. Yeah. So yeah. they'll kind of just do the same thing. Yeah, but I mean, they are going to add like some new characters. Uh, the Splatoon characters have been announced. Neat. I'm Hubby. sure they're going to have uh, uh, some other wait, stuff. Breath kid, of the Wild, Zelda will be on there. Maybe both. both. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Octoling. Um. But yeah, uh, there was a, a couple other big things. I mean, I was really excited for Smash, but I kind of knew that was a matter of when, not if. Like, of course, they have this new console that they're trying to market to be the Nintendo console for the next four or five years. They've yeah. got to have Super Smash Bros. on it. But um, the uh, the other couple uh, big things that we got were Mario Tennis Aces, which I'm actually really excited about. I love uh, the old Mario Tennis game. I used to play the shit out of that. And Mario Tennis Aces looks really fun. It's supposed to have a pretty big, like, single-player campaign mode with, like, different, like, creative bosses. And I just found it to look... It, lo it looks really cool. Um, looks like it's actually, like, some real skill to doing it. Different types of shots and stuff that you can master. Um, also, I'll be talking about a later date on the pod, but in a couple weeks, we have the release of Kirby Star Allies for the Switch. So is that your most anticipated release for the Switch for this month? Oh, I mean, my God. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's my most anticipated. I mean, I love Kirby, but we also have um, Metroid, which we didn't get anything about uh, on this uh, direct. But I feel like it'll come in like maybe around E3 or something like that. We'll okay. get a preview of Metroid and possibly at holiday season this year, a uh, full open world Pokemon game. What? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, did you not ever hear about I that? Yes, yeah. so. we're gonna have a Pokemon game for the Switch. Which Interesting. is it kind of apparently like it's that... gonna it's gonna be kind of like a reboot for the franchise. So I'm thinking they're gonna be a hmm. little bit more of a true open world type of game. Interesting. But yeah, um, that could be fun. Yeah, okay. Nintendo is Nintendo is life, basically. Sick. So 
Did you guys see these Avengers covers for Entertainment Weekly? Um, yeah. Yeah. They're they're not great. Are you, you what? <laughs> like a hot take. I like it. You like them? Wow. Did you did you like the Iron Man one? That one was so weird. Well, like with the wings and shit. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, but only cuz like I just like I eat this nerdy shit up. Like I I love Every like I like how every Iron Man movie they make him more extra like yeah. in each movie, like and now like I don't know if you read up on it but like his suit is literally like built in his skin, like Black Panthers. Um, That's crazy. So, so it's I don't know what they're gonna do next, but I, I I'm looking forward to finding out. Yeah, I just I like seeing all these characters you know together. Um, it's gonna be really really interesting to see all these different you know little sub franchises clash in the in the most epic way but guys the biggest question here the thing that i really want to discuss where is hawkeye he's the only one left out of this big poster thing was renner too busy flipping houses for the photo shoot yeah yeah he what is going on make it down over he was playing piano with that sexy new orleans voice he's got you ever heard this dude play piano Ooh, he kills me no i'm just kidding I, He's really good, though. I, I can't sleep because I see there's like 22 covers and not one has Renner on it. I, I yeah. <laughs> what, what is I actually, I mean, I feel like I think that like about probably half of them I really like. There are some that are just like, yeah, okay. Like the Iron Man one I'm not a huge fan of, but like seeing like Star-Lord and Okoye yeah. like together, like it's pretty cool. Uh, like Vision and Shuri, kind of like stuff like that. Like there, there are some cool, some some good ones. Other ones I just feel like are a little bit th- phoned in. I'm really kind of worried about Thanos. I feel like that's going to be a he's, serious he's problem. Just a that big I'm yeah, he's I'm just a big thumb. Yeah, he's I'm just like I love Josh oh. Brolin as an actor, but I just have a feeling he's just gonna. It's gonna be kind of a step backwards for yeah. Marvel as far as generic. We're gonna go back to a generic villain after just having someone so great as Michael B. Jordan in Black Panther. So uh, Josh Brolin was just getting interviewed at some junket, and the interviewer was like, "So why is Thanos like bad?" And, and he's like, and he was just like, "I don't know. Like maybe he had a bad upbringing." Oh my god! So it seems like there's a lot of thought put into the character. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to judge based off that. The covers, uh, I could go either way. The preview for Avengers that we talked about uh, kind of relates to the next thing we're going to talk about because it's a very serious preview, and they often do that with these, and then the movie itself does not match that tone, much like the preview for Ready Player One, which I recently saw, and it made me kind of worried about this movie because... Yeah, we've, we've been worried. Every, we've been... Everyone, like, it gets roasted on Twitter every time there's any new content for it because it looks bad. Um, but I think that if the trailer matches the tone of the movie, it's going to miss the mark on the book was tongue in cheek. It was, it was funny. It was kind of winking at you the whole way and being like, this is ridiculous. And it just seems like the trailer is just so self-important and so epic. Yeah. It's going to kind of miss out on what made the book so good. And that was my concern whenever they announced that they were making a ready player one movie. Cause I was just wondering, like, there's no way that you can make this into a movie and it's not going to come across as just like, oh man, remember Iron Giant? Remember Back to the Future? Like, oh shit, like let's do nothing that's actually original. Because in the book, like it works for like just reading like a fun book, super easy read, just like reading about all these things that yeah. you know and that you grew up with. But for a movie, I 
I am really worried about about this movie, and especially when we're when we're talking about the Ready Player One posters. That yeah, they're just trying to like basically advertise themselves as like, hey. Remember everything that you love growing up? Yeah, Remember eighties culture? They're oh yeah, we're that. They're yeah, these these new posters, they're just directly copying old posters and putting their main character in them. Which is as a concept, it's honestly it could be good, but it's also it's just setting yourself up to get fucking roasted. Like Twitter is just going fucking nuts with these posters. Um and like look at this one. I wish I could show the whole audience. Oh, okay. <laughs> so so Drew uh is showing us a oh, no. shitty mock up of a cars. It's like cars, but they just badly Oh, fucked. I just saw that this morning. Yeah, it's <laughs> so funny. They just put the kid's mouth on the car. Yeah. Um but yeah, the posters I don't want to look too far into. I more was worried by the trailer, but I'm. I would be happy to be proved wrong. I, what do you think about Ready Player One in general? The hype so far, Adam. Um. I mean, have you guys read the book? Yeah. 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 yeah we all yeah. read it. Yeah, I haven't read it yet, but um, it feels like this marketing campaign. It's not marketing me to want to see the movie. It's marketing me to never want to read the book because <laughs> yeah. it just it looks like so kind of obnoxious to me. It like, is. Yeah. The, the, it just seems like kind of overbearing nostalgia, which is kind of my least favorite thing. The, see, um, the, and the book works because it's it's not like trying to be serious about it. It is it is too much nostalgia, but the book is just like a fun little quick action comedy, like sci-fi novel. So you don't think too much about it. And they're trying. I feel like they're just really trumping up this this movie to be something big and meaningful. And it's. I think it might be like honestly, if this came out two years ago. Because I think that as a culture, we're kind of becoming more cynical toward all this nostalgia stuff. We're yeah. kind of starting to be like, this is kind of a money grab by everyone. Um, so I, I think that it's just, I don't I don't know if it's going to land, and I'm kind of worried. I hope that the movie, even though it's not going to be like the greatest fucking movie ever, I hope that it's at least entertaining and you can just enjoy it for what it is. And it's not something that like really falls apart. Um, story wise, because you know we'll we'll get to Wrinkle in Time, but like that's a movie that that is it's similar in its in its uh, visual ambition, but kind of falls apart in the story aspect. So yeah. maybe if Ready Player One can keep the story together without being like this, you know, super serious epic grand tale that yeah. really hits home about society and like technology. <laughs> It's it should just be a fun time on a guy on an adventure and you know Ben Mendelsohn being evil. I think it's almost kind of doomed just because the the book had such a flippant nature to it, and just to make this movie conceptually with all that CG, it requires hundreds of millions of dollars just to make. So they have to make it seem epic, yeah, because they have to make back so much money. It can't just be a fun little like summer romp because that doesn't sell anymore. Yeah, it has to be huge just to make back the money that it. Had they had to spend this money but, to get a property rights and then b CGing so many scenes. Yeah, but to your point, the CG, especially the trailers, looks bad. Yeah. Like it looks like I'm watching Final Fantasy Advent Children. Like whenever I'm looking oh, at this movie, like that's honestly what it looks like. It looks, and I get it. Like they are literally in a video game, but I don't want to watch a video game, a two-hour video game cutscene. 
Like yeah. that's that's yeah. Not it what looks I like kind of like a Hobbit. Yeah, it does. Like it just yeah. looks like a CGI mess. Yeah, the, like the it, third Hobbit movie. It's just like Jesus. There's too much. Yeah, like you literally. I'm just because I, I reach a certain point in these movies where I'm looking at. I'm like nothing I'm seeing on the screen is real right now. Like I'm yeah. literally just looking at computer. Like yeah. that's just it. It doesn't register. Well, I'm looking at Spielberg's little filmography right now, and over the past ten years or so, he's only really given us like. A handful of like good to great movies. I'd, I'd say Bridge of Spies. Mm-hmm. So um, um, Lincoln, Adam, why why is the post your favorite movie? <laughs> <laughs> can you can you defend um, that? Look, I mean, what did you guys think of the post? Like, did you guys? Just it's fine. It it's what? yeah, we thought it was so. It's just extremely it's mediocre. Not, it's not bad. It's, it's not bad. It's just it's very Spielberg in that like it yeah. does all the Spielberg things. It has the shots of like. Meryl Streep walking through a mob of women and them all just like staring and they're they're nodding yeah Yeah, it's just it's so on the nose it's it's populist that's what I thought it's a very populist movie (laughs) it kind of spoon feeds you things that you don't I don't I don't Spielberg he's a great director but that's what he does he makes things for like everyone and that can be to a detriment that's what I think yeah the post is like one of those weird movies where like I can tell you that it's not a great movie by any means but this is a very weird thing to say but I have a very specific love for movies about journalism. Mm-hmm. Like, so like those moments got me. Like, I know they were cheap, but that like that fucking moment with her, like saying print the papers, print the papers. It got to me mm-hmm. just because it's just such a cheesy journalism, freedom of the speech moment. Like I, I love that part. Um, it's not a great movie by any means, but I, um, I don't know. I, I liked it. It had, um, it had moments. Um, how do you feel about spotlight? <laughs> um spotlight spotlight's great i mean it's uh i don't know like i don't know if i would have given it best picture that year yeah exactly it was definitely a, um definitely a great film and i think it's uh, better Mark than Ruffalo the post oh definitely uh, i think it's post. definitely better than the spotlight's one of those movies that i watch it and i think that's great i'm never gonna watch it again though well, <laughs> yeah i have that's... not seen some spaghetti. yeah like yeah. it it definitely had more work put into it because the post just seems like a movie that spielberg made while he was taking a shit yeah, you know, well, like he, it's so he easy filmed it that summer, didn't he? Like last summer. Yeah, that's when he shits. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> I just like the the post. It's just, it kind of seems like everybody in that movie was kind of phoning it in, but they were all incredible actors and actresses. So it's still like good performances from everybody. But okay. except for I, my man Bob Odenkirk, because he was, I thought he was great in it. Yeah, Bob Odenkirk was great. He was my favorite that's, part actually about the post. That's because Odenkirk still had something to prove. He yeah. hasn't, yeah. he hasn't really made the big transfer to movies. Right. You know? Let's let's get Bob in more movies. Yeah, baby. And David. Yeah, dude, Bob post. and Dave. That was a great seeing a, a reunion of Mr. Yeah. Show and on throw, the post. Throw Scott Ackerman in there. He was on season four. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want to get too off topic, but did you read that thing about um, Bob Odenkirk like developing his own like John Wick style movie? No. That's interesting. I don't think so. It's, and is it like a comedy? <laughs> I get like I just read that someone was developing like a John Wick style movie, but he's like a he's like a just a normal everyday work guy. But then something happens and it just pushes him over the edge, and he goes like full John Wick. It's like a vigilante justice type deal. But it is like supposed to be like some kind of like a dark comedy or something. I guess like they didn't really say what the tone was. But okay. All I read was like. Bob and Kirk, John Wick, and I'm like, True. I'm down. I'm, I'm into that. Hopefully yeah. that's good because he, he's tried to make his foray into writing movies twice because after Mr. Show, he had a lot of offers and both of his movies really failed. It was like the Mr. Show movie and then Run, Ronnie, Run. 
Oh, so there was yeah. a Mr. Show movie. And then, uh, yeah, and they just they just fell super flat. Um, and I, I love Bob Odenkirk. He's one of my favorite comedy writers, so it's it's a bummer. So that's that's pretty good news that he's making something new. Um, All right, let's get to yeah. what we've been watching. Uh, Hunter, what have you been watching? Um, so I know you guys have been uh, watching high, the show High Maintenance. On um, HBO. Yeah, we talked yeah. about it last week. Yeah, I, uh, I just decided to binge through season one on HBO right now. It's six episodes long. Yeah, Each super of them are 30 short, episodes. Three hour. It's a breezy yeah. watch. Really easy to watch. Um, I I love this show. Like, yeah, I was... I was watching the show like not expecting like I was just like oh you know it'll be fun or whatever but there are some of the episodes on here were like probably some of my favorite episodes that I've seen in television lately. Yeah, it's like, like I said last week you're watching it and you're like everything about this show is nailing it. Like yeah. everyone's hitting a home run. There's one particular episode in season 1 that I did not care for. Uh it's the episode called Selfie. It's a uh, because usually the show like how it the way that it tells the story is you just follow these random characters around and it makes like little comments on society. But I think in this w- one episode, it just, it just had too many things going on in it. Um, but other than that, there's a, I think it's episode three uh, follows, it's called grandpa and it follows this dog around the entire time, the entire show. You're just watching this from the perspective of a dog. And it is one of the best things that I've seen on TV in a long time. Like it's so cool how it's shot and because you're looking at it from the dog's perspective, you view these people in his life in a certain way and there's there's relationships that he has with the humans and those change throughout the episode. And I mean what this show does so well is the writing in it is so on point that it's able to get you emotionally invested in these characters within 10 minutes of watching that's, it, five, yeah, 10 minutes, that's which is the most impressive thing. That's what's so incredible about this show. And I think that a uh, grandpa episode and then the episode following that, um, I don't have the name pulled up in front of me, but you follow tick. the life. Yeah. Tick. You follow uh, through the life of this like old man who's basically his wife is dead and he's like going to all these day raves and stuff to like try and just like still stay hip and like smoking weed and trying to be like the cool old guy and all this stuff. And like by the end of the episode, like you genuinely like are really sad. Like it hits you in an emotional level and it's just such a great credit to the writing that goes into the show Mm. and directing. Yeah. The direction is, the direction is amazing uh, with this woman, Katja Blitchfeld, him and her write and direct pretty much all the episodes. Yeah. I, uh, but I wanted to go ahead and plow through season one so that I could start up with season two for you guys. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to go back and watch um, season one because I barely remember it. It, it aired back in 2016, um, but two is on HBO now, and it's about to wrap up. It only has yeah. a couple more episodes left. Yeah, but needless to say, we all recommend the show. It's kind of the premise leaves so much like it's kind of a sandbox show. They can almost do whatever they want as yeah. long as eventually someone buys weed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not even just somebody buying weed like. Um, in the, uh, the episode, the, the tick, it started with just like, you know, the main, the guy, as he's known, goes and sells weed to this guy and he's walking out of the apartments and he like 
takes down somebody's trash for him, drops the trash off on the side of the road, and then it picks right up with just this old Asian man who like went, who's just like his job is to go pick up recycling and turn in cans. Yeah, and stuff. It, it's so, sometimes it is just people who are just in the same scene. And then yeah, exactly. Leave, like, it's like, oh, we're following them now. Yeah, it, and it's just one of those shows that just it takes you along with it. You never know what you're going to get from episode to episode. Also, there's 19 episodes on Vimeo of the original web series. Yeah, good web series, but they they really did step it up. Um, for the uh, I don't have you ever seen the show? No, but it's actually one that I've um I've been really wanting to watch because um I don't know if you guys know this guy named Eric Striffler. He's on YouTube. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yes. a fan. I mean, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> he um he recommended this one and um and I saw and like I don't know if you guys use HBO Go at all, but they play the trailer for this for like every other show you watch on there. Oh, true. <laughs> So um, it's always been one that I've been interested in, but I'm glad to hear it's good. Yeah, it's um, super, start it up. super it's, easy to it, watch. It's better than I could have ever expected, really. Like, it's it's near perfect execution of the premise. Wow. Uh, Adam, what have you been watching? Yeah, so I've been watching the show. Um, it's on Stars, which might explain why no one's watching it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, it's called Counterpart, and it, star, it has, like, a pretty big cast, but I think really the only guy of note is the great uh, J.K. Simmons. Yeah. And not my tempo. Um, yeah, this show it's I don't want to get too heavy into the plot because like the greatest thing about the show is how you kind of like uncover it each episode. Um but the basic premise is like during the Cold War, um scientists uh discovered that there's this place in Berlin where um like an alternate reality to Earth exists and there's like a portal there and instead of like confining it or trying to make a big deal out of it the government um immediately built an embassy there and um they kind of built like a big building around it and they made it like a um kind of like an immigration place mm. where people can come you have to uh, come in and out but like they have like a visa basically on each side like in each reality and it begins with um jk simmons character who uh, is, like, working at the office, like, the embassy, but he doesn't really know what they do. He doesn't know anything about the alternate reality. Yeah, he's just, like, a paper pusher, right? Yeah, he's just, like, a normal guy. He's really good. His wife is in the hospital right now, and he's, like, he's totally just a really sweet guy who has it really hard. Um, But he's, like, he has a lot of ambitions, and he wants to, like, move up in the world. And one day, I don't want to get, like, too specific into this part, but he eventually comes into contact with his other self from the other dimension. Um, and it turns out that that guy is an assassin. Mm. Uh, his other counter, his counterpart, I would say. Hey. Um, and uh, they, uh, it's kind of cool to just, um, well, first of all, the world building in the show is amazing. Like each episode, it's just so deliberately paced, but like the way it just builds the rules of the show and like, the concepts of like what it means to have like another you out there, but like maybe they're more or less accomplished than you are. It's it's just so nuanced and really cool. And J.K. Simmons is like giving an Emmy level performance in this. Wow, dual dual I'm, role. Yeah, I'm scared. Like no one's gonna recognize him for it. He's kind of the perfect um, guy for that part because he's played some of the best guys and some of the worst guys possible in his career. You know, he's great at both yeah and that's the thing like he's like there's one episode um where he has to play the guy's name's uh harold i think and he has to play the original harold 
playing the assassin. Holy like, shit. Like, pretending to be Harold. That's crazy. Like, it's... Yeah, it's, like, three levels of acting, and it's amazing. Like, he is giving some of his, like, best work ever. And it upsets oh. me because, like, no one's watching this show. Yeah, how but are... it's easily... Like, other than Whiplash, it's his best performance. How wow. are you watching it? Like, what... It's on Stars. Uh, Do you have Stars? Um, I have... I, um, I have DirecTV, which okay. has Stars. Oh, okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah, nice. we gotta figure out how to watch this. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really interested in watching this show. I love J.K. Simmons. And, yeah. I mean, his performance in Whiplash is probably one of my favorite performances of all time for sure like yeah is he still ripped did he keep the the, <laughs> the commissioner Gold, gordon muscles <laughs> yeah it's it's cool though because like um you know when he's the assassin like he's totally ripped and you buy it but then also when he like transitions to like the office guy you totally buy that too because he can switch back and forth between the like mild-mannered dude yeah. and the total badass like yeah. seamlessly he's the best he was pretty jacked in whiplash too i mean he had to throw chairs around effortlessly <laughs> we we asked the important questions on we bought a mic <laughs> um this is also uh created and written by the guy who fun fact wrote john favreau's the jungle book really oh, wow. yeah oh wow that was his that's his only real like big thing that yeah he's done. i mean stars hasn't really had any big like you know sensational series ever what's the do you, i don't think we can name a single series that has um, come out of stars that has been like a phenomenon yeah there hasn't been one the only other show that i watch on stars is ash versus evil dead oh ah. ash versus evil dead is a really good show yeah. um yeah. I've only actually seen the first season, but I have that on Blu-ray just because I'm a huge Evil Dead fan. So I just love how like over the top and like corny, gory the show yeah. is. Guys, you, oh yeah, it's incredible. You guys never watched Spartacus? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh. I think honestly, I think that this show might suffer a similar fate to uh, maybe the best star show ever, Party Down. Where Ooh, like yeah. oh, this like that was stars. yeah hopefully not but maybe this show will kind of run its course and then it'll hit Netflix in like ten years and everyone's like wait what the fuck this yeah, is this incredible is amazing yeah well that's why I said on Twitter I was like if this show was like on FX or AMC or something people would be like losing their shit right now yeah. like it's it's honestly one of the best original shows I've ever seen is the uh, is the current season still going on or is it wrapping yeah up? I think there's like two episodes left I think we're like okay. seven episodes in. Guys, um, you never watched Crash on Stars based on the Academy Award winning <laughs> film of the same name. That's there's a TV show of Crash. Yeah, I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> Wait, when did this come out? Crash. Uh, it came out like right after it won Best Picture, so like oh eight. Oh wait, so they made wait they made a TV show. Based... Oh, no wait, I thought it was like an adaptation. Of the oh show. oh the the movie actually the movie was oh four yeah and then they. Wow. They were like, wow, that had a great reception when it won this yeah. picture. <laughs> at 08, at people had already, the crash backlash was already at full form. Yeah. People were like, really? That maybe won best picture? The crash lash. Crash lash. Okay. American Gods, anyone? <laughs> That's oh, on wait, Stars? Is that Stars too? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't okay, realize I that watched, Stars. I guess I watched that. Also, Power starring 50 Cent. Well, uh, let's move on. <laughs> so we've... <laughs> So I'm gonna buy a Stars er, subscription just to watch Counterpart because I'm actually really interested. That sounds, I love super sci-fi plots and J.K. Simmons. That's, so I'm that's all really noble because I'm just gonna watch it illegally. Okay, well, <laughs> you, you know what we don't have I mean, to watch I'll illegally. I'll warn you real quick. The first like 20 minutes are like kind of dense and hard to get into. True. But like I promise, like once you get past like the first half of the first episode, it's amazing. How many okay. how many episodes are are um out? I think. It's like six or seven, um, about, and I think there's ten this season. So we're getting kind of close to the, the finale. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's seven now, and there's three more. Yep. All right. Okay, well, yeah. let's get to the big show this week. Atlanta Robin season. Hey, who you? Uh, we just watched episode two, um, and again, you know, I just get the sentiment that why is anybody else trying? <laughs> this should just be the only show ever. Like, it's so damn good. It's like not even fair how good it is. Yeah. I'm ex- I'm excited for Westworld to come back because that's always fun. But Atlanta is just on another level. I it's, mean, at least in my wild. opinion, it, nothing comes even close to being as good as Atlanta is. So, what are you, what are your general thoughts on Atlanta, like season one up till now, Adam? Um. Well, season one did it come out like in 2016? Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. That was the best show of that uh, year Agreed. that it came out because it. Um. I don't think I've seen a show in quite some time like make a splash and the same way that one did, like just almost immediately, like it had like an instant fan base. Oh yeah. And I love that it's kind of like, you know how he described it, like Twin Peaks in Georgia. Like it's just, I love how every episode, they're not necessarily, you know, bottle episodes because they kind of connect in a loose way. But, um, you know, each episode is so funny. Like that one episode in the club last season with the invisible car. Like, I love his sense of humor. Like he is the funniest dude, like in the business today. Um, And... You know, I didn't know how he would do a season two. Like, I, I always hope for the best, but I just wasn't sure if it would, you know, hold up to the same standards. But, like, with the premiere last week, uh, even from that opening, sh- like, 10 minutes alone, like, the whole robbing scene, incredible. Like, it even seems like this could be a better season than the first, which I'd never expected. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. So far, so it's just far, been, yeah. This show is so effort, like it so effortlessly flows in between like cringe comedy and like just brutal reality and like tension. It has every every episode has pretty much every emotion you can feel in it. Like it'll, it'll make yeah, like you- this um this episode like that one um like little bit where he was like hanging out with like all the white guys. Yeah, at the um, at the, um, the at news music place. Or, yeah, the, and yeah, the and I, like, Spotify and I, like, picture, and he's like walking out of the frame, and he's like, "Hey, you want in the picture?" And he's like, "No, I'm good." And then like just cuts commercial. Like it's it's amazing. Or like uh, whenever he's doing the whole thing while he's also or uh, Paperboy Al is doing the whole thing <laughs> where he's recording. Like you're listening to hot fresh radio. Yeah. Keep it fresh. <laughs> Like there's supposed to be like their version of like rap caviar for Spotify or yeah. something. Like, <laughs> okay, the the guy that plays um, Al is what's his name? I'm uh, is look that, it up right now. Uh, David. Guy plays, Henry, yeah, it's three names. Yeah, it's Brian. Brian David Tyree or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, yeah. He is so damn good yeah. because <laughs> he's able to just give this like kind of face of just stoic. Uh, seriousness but also he's of like displeased like he's displeased too Mm -hmm. he's able to convey all these like different types of uh just kind of negative moods of just like uh, just like a scowl kind of but you're still like endeared by him you're not just thinking like oh this guy's just trying to be like fucking serious all the time like he's still a really it's still a really intense performance uh, I, I'm surprised by him every week because Darius is doing all the outlandish shit. Yeah. Darius is the yeah. one that's like out there like being weird as fuck. Uh Lakeith Stanfield. But this guy, Brian Tyree Henry, like I I love his performance so much. Oh yeah, I mean like that... <laughs> Oh, go ahead. 
I was just gonna say like that scene where he's like getting robbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just about to talk about that scene. It's how incredible. it's like it perfectly balances him being robbed and like kind of the drama of that in his face like come on man and then like the fucking the child lock on the door so he can't even get out of the car yeah like i'm laughing just thinking about it because that scene is so funny and awkward yeah they make yeah they they make a robbing hilarious like (laughs) that's that's pretty tough to do (laughs) like the thing that killed me in that scene was how the dude like kept apologizing to him yeah he's like dude i'm sorry but like i would drive you home but i don't know if you're yeah he he, he pulls out the gun (laughs) he pulls out the gun he's like my bad (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny yeah this yeah um lakeith stanfield is kind of like the big like oh this is the guy but yeah brian david tyree is putting in some amazing work um brian tyree henry the show in general if i have one critique and i do i have one single thing it's that Ern's character is he he's his character is conceivably a really smart guy who's super down on his luck and depressed. Sometimes his character plays a bit too stupid. Yeah, he did some stupid shit in yeah, the last episode. Like the gosh, I did not believe that. I did not believe this Princeton dropout who is supposed to be very smart just he's already gotten screwed out of so much money and he just gives this guy 4K. Yeah, that's the whole thing is why don't you I mean if you're going to go into this thing because I mean uh Al does kind of vouch for the guy, for Tracy, that I guess are now, like, he's, we can assume that he's going to be kind of the fourth character in the group now. Yeah, for I this like season. Tracy. I really like Tracy a lot, but Al does, like, vote for him, just like, oh, yeah, you know, he's been, he's been on those gift cards, like, implying that he's been doing this whole gift card Ponzi scheme for a while now. Yeah. And, um... So, but why, why would you give him all $4,000 when you've been broke and like living in a fucking like yeah. just a storage unit, it was just, basically? It's just so rare on the show that you see a narrative device kind of out in the open. And that was one. It was like, he wouldn't do that, but he has to because it makes a good episode. You know, if he gives away all his money and then they have this fun thing at the mall, which was really great. That whole bit. The whole just... thing with the Foot Locker, how they was like, <laughs> they can't they can't chase you. It's like a store policy. Yeah, yeah that was, I mean, it, it made some great scenes, but just the little buy-in there, it was like, I don't think he does that. Yeah, but then, you know, one of the standout moments is when he actually has the $8,000 gift card and he goes to pay with it and you're just thinking, like, he's fucked. He's absolutely fucked. Yeah. And then it goes through and you're like relieved. And then he gets fucked. (laughs) Then he's like, like, you got 20 minutes. (laughs) He has to spend $8,000 in 20 minutes that like he fucked him. He absolutely fucked. Also, he went to the wrong stores. Just find like a jewelry shop and buy a bunch of diamonds that you can resell or something like that. Like, come on. Come on, Ern. Well, Hunter, you predicted uh, correctly that we were going to get a little more plot. And we did with the, you know, the music production Mm -hmm. storyline. Um but we also got more hints at uh, Ern's Princeton past because that's something that's kind of been peppered throughout. Yeah. And I wonder if we're ever – I don't think we're ever going to get like a flashback episode, but I do like that they're like fleshing out his backstory a little bit because you get the sense that the reason why he, there's this Princeton monster behind him kind of explains why he's – kind of not doing so well right now it it might not explain it directly but it's a huge thing just hanging over the show that's what i really want to see is a little more development of urn and because you can't really blame him for not developing him so much so far because al and darius are unbelievable characters and they kind of took the world by storm and glover wants to let them do their thing yeah exactly Mm -hmm. he's he's shining the spotlight on his friends yeah basically uh but i want just a little more like every time they mention that i'm like 
man, there's something there. Yeah, it's like he's the least interesting character, but he could be way more if they just spent a little more time yeah. on him. I mean, I, I think that that's been just in this couple. I mean, I never had a problem with Ern's backstory just because, of course, season one, like we've already talked about, is that it's not a plot-heavy show whatsoever. Like, yeah. it's very much just an episode-to-episode kind of show where you never know what you're getting into. But if they are going to go plot-heavier this season, I do hope that we get more backstory on Ern. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. What would a, an Atlanta flashback episode episode look like i think it would just be like the penultimate episode like where he's like um just seeing him get over princeton and over that kind of like way of lifestyle um and it probably like get into kind of like some politics of like maybe like the whiteness of princeton or whatever yeah because that's um, something that keeps popping up in the show i mean we definitely saw it with all the white people in the uh, in the music streaming yeah. thing whatever that was yeah yeah and the one black guy dancing on top of the the table <laughs> to like get signed yeah and it's it's kind of also loosely based on donald glover's actual life because he he was raised in stone mountain georgia so in a suburban neighborhood. yeah but yeah. his mom had the good sense to put him in this performing arts high school and through there he he flourished so much that he got into nyu so he it really was like a big culture shock i'm sure when he did go to you know the big uh elite school and i'm sure he had a very different experience than the typical people who go there. He said in that article I keep mentioning uh, that he went there with Lady Gaga at the same time. Whoa. Yeah, like that's Whoa. that's where people go who like become something. Hmm. Um, um, another thing I wanted to talk about uh, that we saw this episode is Paperboy kind of having to deal with his fame a little bit more. Like this... Yeah, uh, this episode obviously flashes forward a little bit because Al is no longer on uh, house arrest, but... He's just trying to find a new plug since his drug dealer tried to rob him or did rob him. Yeah. So he's going around to all these different people and people are like, yo, can I get a picture, man? Like, oh, yeah. Like, check out my girlfriend's acoustic cover of of Pierce's song. (laughs) That was awesome. That was great because that's like such a big thing now is people doing acoustic covers of rap songs. Yeah. Like some Jacob Sartorius (laughs) shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. I mean, it was just it's. It's such a good show, and every episode you genuinely cannot predict where it's going to go. And yeah. that's the, maybe the best thing about I, it. I like that this this episode, you know, did a more conventional sort of thing with giving us a, a more plot-heavy, structural sort of uh, through line. But by doing that, it 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 sort of strengthens its its footing with these characters, and it makes it so when it does go a little bit more wacky and crazy, we care more. Because we know these people a little more, we've spent more time with them in a more grounded setting, um, and it it just makes for a much more enjoyable show when it's able to weave in, you know, these more conventional episodes with the more surreal stuff. It's mm. I fucking love it. It's 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 yeah. so it's so good. <laughs> Any final thoughts, Adam? No, I mean I'm. Had- did they say how many episodes the season was? Like, is it going to be more than the last one? Or? There's nine listed on um, Wikipedia, but I think it might go for ten. Because uh, yeah. 10, 10 was the first season was ten, so. Yeah, because like, I don't know about you guys, but I could like totally go for like twenty episodes this season, just because I can't imagine like living in a world without Atlanta again. Because the wait <laughs> felt like so long last time. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, that's a good point. But yeah, it's definitely like, it's definitely the best show like on the air right now. I just like, I, 
I feel like 10 is almost as much as I wish that Atlanta would just be on all year long. I feel like 10 is now we're reaching a point where 10 is the perfect number of episodes where it isn't like not enough where you're just like, I just want more from this world, like a six episode show. But it's also not like 13 hours or something Mm. like that, where it just becomes the whole pool becomes diluted because you're spreading out all these creative ideas over more hours of television. Yeah. I mean, that's happened to like almost every great sitcom yeah. Yeah. ever. They yeah. end up doing like 25 episode seasons and you just, it's almost impossible to keep it up. And this yeah. is Atlanta's insanely rewatchable. Cause you can just jump in at any moment and enjoy each episode individually as its own little story. Yeah. You know, and like, that's my issue with like most Netflix shows right now. Cause I don't feel like most of them have to be 13 episodes, but that's, like, that's their favorite thing to do. It's have like 13 episodes for all their shows. Yeah. I just like, I, I really wanted to watch Jessica Jones season two just because I love the first season of Jessica Jones. Yeah. Like, that's my favorite Marvel TV show. Yeah, same. But I just like, oh, I got to devote my 13 hours of my time yeah. to it. And yeah. I know that there's just going to be some episodes that are just set up episodes and that don't really stand out at all. I'm almost done with it right now and it's okay. not good at all. Oh, uh, really? Not at all? Wow. Like, not even like, worth our time at all? Oh, shit. I mean, if you're a fan of the first season, I'd say still watch it. But this season, it's just, like, um, it's just, like, so pandering. And, like, I don't want to say pandering is a bad word. I like, it just, like, kind of, it has, it's very weightless. Like, it has, like, no real consequence, yeah. I guess. Like, it's just kind of. So much of there's Netflix There's not really a central like story that. to it. Well, I mean, I never, I haven't watched I never. I watched. I think Luke Cage was the last Netflix show that I saw all of, yeah, but buddy. I never saw. I Defenders. mean, I thought Luke Cage was was not bad, but then I didn't watch Iron Fist, of course. I didn't watch The Defenders or The Punisher or The Punisher, yeah. just because I just like I don't care. Like it's gotten to the point where it's just all kind of just like reeking of sameness and nothing stands out. That's it's why I like worth it. That's why I like the first season of Jessica Jones so much is because one, we have an amazing performance by um um blanking on uh David Tennant. Yeah. Oh, uh Chris Ritter and David Tennant. Hunter would never um, compliment yeah. a woman. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh James Jones, is that is that the name of the show? I don't know. <laughs> but uh no Kristen Ritter and uh, David Tennant, I just thought played off of each other perfectly as this, he's like a truly evil person and her, and in the end of the show, spoiler for season one of Jessica Jones, like she actually fucking kills him, which is badass as hell. Like is Tennant back in season two, Adam? Um, yeah. And you know, I won't get into like spoilers or anything, but it's, it's kind of really weird how they bring him back. I mean, it makes sense, but like he like really just like, literally pops up and it's really off-putting um but yeah you'll i I guess you'll see how it goes so are you are you kind of like a completist with the marvel stuff have you watched defenders and and iron fist (laughs) unfortunately i am and and uh, punisher okay Um, yeah because we've talked about that on the pod before um how there's 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 some some diehard fans out there who just feel the need to just watch it like we had our friend Ray on and he kind of said the same thing he was like I'm watching it so that nobody else has to (laughs) (laughs) I kind of feel the same way yeah because you know I I really grew up with Marvel and um I so I kind of feel like obligated not obligated I guess but I just even though I don't like Iron Fist and I didn't really care for the Defenders that much um, I just love consuming this stuff because it's just such a cool world that we're living in, I guess, because I would have never thought like 10 years ago that I would ever get like a Defenders TV show. 
or really defenders anything for that right. matter. Mm. Um, and I, even though it's not the greatest, I still love watching it because I just love seeing these characters kind of come to life. And, you know, even though I don't like Jessica Jones season two, it's still cool to see them take time with a character. Um, because you know, if this was like a, uh, DC movie or something, it would just be like an ugly Zack Snyder CGI movie. Right. Um, and the fact that Netflix, and again, while I don't like it, at least Netflix has, you know, the guts to really just deliberately pace a show. And I, I have to admire that at least. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, do you guys want to take a break before we do Wrinkle in Time? Yeah, I got to just gather my fucking self. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a I got to go look up some more pictures of giant Oprah before we start. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we get back, it's uh, time to wrinkle in my tinkle with a sprinkle in the finkle. Mm. Time. That's very good. Okay. You should That's be playing something. one of those female empowerment pop songs right now from the soundtrack. Well, one of the four that they played. Suicide Squad for I can't seem to face up to the facts. I'm tense and nervous and I can't relax. I can't sleep because my bed's on fire. I just came back from the the Oprah World. Um, Oprah World is that at Disney? It, it, yeah, it's it is. the new Oprah Corporation, Disney Corporation so, joint venture. So I was at the Oscars, and suddenly um, this like portal opened up, and like next thing I knew, I was just watching the Oscar presentation. But then like I was in the theater for a Wrinkle in Time, and I was like, how did this happen? And then. I saw I saw Hot Dog Man Army Hammer leaving the theater, and I was just like, "What the fuck, man!" I I was nominated for Best Picture, and now I'm here in the theater watching Wrinkle in Time. Because what they what they you didn't show nominated? you what they didn't show you was everybody who came to enter from the Wrinkle in Time showing. That means that they kicked people out of the Oscars who were there. So I was nominated for my film um, Ghost Car. Ghost Car. For a uh, viewpoint motive. Yeah, look that up on YouTube. <laughs> look up Ghost Car Colin Goody. Yeah, we so anyway. were we were nominated for. Uh, and then what happened? And then I was just I was stuck there. Next thing I knew, there were there were these like vines, like the things from Annihilation, that were tying me in my sh- in my seat. Red so I was, vines. I was stuck there, and I was just like, they came and they opened up my eyeballs, and I was forced to stare at the screen. While Wrinkle in Time just happened to me. What a wah, wah. And we're back to the show. Wah, 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 wah. We're talking We Bought a Mic. Or no, we're not. We're not. <laughs> we're talking about that. We're, we're talking, a, talking wrinkle, a Wrinkle. This, in... is a, this is a very meta episode. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do an in-depth review of We Bought a Mic. It's, uh, spoiler, it's fucking awful. It's horrible. Yeah, we're... Can we do a We Bought a Mic after show? 
Oh yeah. Oh with, yeah. With Chris Hardwick. <laughs> <laughs> Talking wabam. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, A Wrinkle in Time is the new film from Eva Duvernay. And uh, um, before we before we get started with that, we should talk about Ernest. How you and I saw the movie. Yeah. So, so Adam, uh, Mr. Adam, was very kind to invite us to his very exclusive screener event. I had work that night. If anyone's wondering, yeah. So Drew was invited. It was it was it was cool. It was he really messed up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. Um, but we uh, so we got to the theater and. Uh, I've been to a couple screeners now, and they were extremely strict on phones and stuff, which I don't know if that's just because it's a Disney thing. Yeah. But the fact, like, you could not have a cell phone or any electronic recording device even on you, even if it was turned off. We had to, like, turn in our phones before we walked in that theater. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we got in there, and uh, for those of y'all who don't know how screeners are set up, there's, like, a wide audience area and then a press area, which is where you got to sit, Adam. But uh, right in the row front in front of us, there was this big family, and somehow they got all into the screener, and it was uh, they they were celebrating a birthday party. Yeah, she looked like she was turning thirteen, maybe. And somehow, um, they like they were heavily checking all the bags, but somehow people got in with a birthday cake. <laughs> And a plastic bag full of wings. <laughs> and barbecue sauce. And barbecue sauce. <laughs> and That's bad. It's, really bad. And it started, it was actually kind of funny because they had this cake right there and they just like started to do it. And the family started singing happy birthday to her in the theater. And then by the end of the happy birthday song, everybody in the theater was just like singing along to this girl. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, you know, that's fine. That's cake. That's not like anything like really annoying or anything but then they brought out a plastic bag full of like chicken wings and just like pouring pouring barbecue sauce on the chicken wings and we were like i it it was like i because there's there's another film podcast that i listen to called slash film and they've done a a bit before about obnoxious foods to bring yeah. into a movie bag theater. spaghetti yeah bag spaghetti was their whole example of seeing charlie, charlie kelly's move yeah like <laughs> like you should never bring in something into a movie theater. If you're going to bring food from home, I get it. Movie theater food is expensive, whatever. But don't bring something that's like as smelly as barbecue chicken wings yeah, into the and theater. And you're crinkling a plastic bag in the middle <laughs> oh, of the geez. movie. It was her favorite. It was her day. And that's her, her favorite food is bag wings. Hey, man, I wish my parents would have taken me to a screener when I was Yeah, no 12. kidding. That was like A-plus parents right there. Like, they killed yeah. it with that birthday present. I right. have to say, I saw the cake, but I had no idea about the wings. That's incredible. Yep, yep. Brutal. They brought in wings. Yeah. Just like loose wings in like a Publix bag, <laughs> too. Wings. They weren't in they weren't in a container of any kind. So they just start pulling them out of their pockets. Yeah. And then quickly, <laughs> quickly we realized that this girl was like the exact target audience for this film because Ava Diver- uh, recorded a little video message for the screener peeps mm-hmm. and she said um, reading from some smudge notes on her hand off camera <laughs> this is a film for the 12 or 11 year old in, inside of you so just look within yourself while you're watching this and just put yourself in your 11 year old self and enjoy the movie See, meaning this is a kids movie and don't think about it yeah. is what that means it's yeah. also uh she said something different for my movie there was a little oh, there was a, yeah a i went to opening night and i had to fight for seats with like seven other people <laughs> um 
And she said just something like, you know, it was they showed a bunch of like behind the scenes footage and it was like it was just such great to make this movie. But like, that's not the end of it. We have to see this through. There was it was a call to action without she didn't say a single thing that we should do. So I was confused. (laughs) But anyway, I don't I think that it's interesting. She said this is for 11 and 12 year olds, because I think that the only people this movie could play good for is maybe a six year old. Yeah. I, it's, yeah, maybe like seven, eight, if that. Yeah, if I saw this at around age, even ten, I would be like, "This is for little kids." Yeah. So this this movie uh, is uh, Duvernay's um, follow up to Selma and Thirteenth, which unfortunately I haven't seen either of them, but I've heard really good things. So I was excited for this movie. You know, giving this uh, acclaimed filmmaker a giant Disney budget to make something kind of like unique and uh, not original, but you know, still out of the norm of the mm-hmm. of the samey stuff we see um so needless to say i was i was ready to you know like this movie i didn't go in with any yeah any preconceived uh um expectations of of what people were saying or anything if anything people really weren't saying that much about this uh no early buzz really built up uh until just the week leading up to it um but before we, we do it, I just want to read the pl- uh, the short plot synopsis from IMBD. It's, After the disappearance of her scientist father, three peculiar beings send Meg, her brother, and her friend to space in order to find him. And it's based on a classic novel from the 60s. Yeah. Uh, that like resonated with so, so many kids. And it was previously adapted into a way lesser budget film True. Um, that you know didn't do too well. But let's start by, because this, I'll tell you guys now, listeners, this movie is not good at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's start by just saying, let's go around and just say one thing that we liked. One one thing that worked. This is like Thanksgiving. Let's just, <laughs> let's just go around and say like one thing that we genuinely think okay. was good. Okay. I, I wrote a little good section in my notes because I wanted to not be completely negative because this is a little kid's movie. Yeah. Um. You cannot fault the extreme, the great message. It's there's way too much of it in the, the movie. Intention, yeah. But the intention of the movie is it's all about self acceptance and being okay with your flaws and being positive about yourself if you're you know coming of age and things are very confusing. That's, and and that's using beautiful. that and using that to empower a feeling of change in in the world around yeah, you. That's beautiful. Positivity. Also, it has an incredibly diverse cast and Ava DuVernay yep. herself. Like that's that's a yeah, really Black good Woman. move on Disney's move and I I'm sure this won't really discourage them from doing that again. I'm sure Ava DuVernay is still going to get work, but uh that's I mean that's another great thing about the movie that isn't the movie itself. Um <laughs> in within the movie itself, I thought there were genuinely some great visuals. Uh, peppered in between bad visuals. Yeah, there were some straight up really bad looking. Yeah, but shots. there was some beautiful imagery as yeah. well. Like Hunter, what's what's something that you thought really worked for you? Okay, um, so we have I have lots of thoughts that we're gonna get more into uh, later. But um, as far as positives go, I actually think that the main girl Storm Reed did a pretty good job. I could see her being like a decom star in the yeah. future, like doing kind of some stuff like I'd that. I'd say more than that. I mean, I could definitely see her getting some work because she does give a good performance, even if the actual script that's given to her isn't always the best material. I thought that she did a pretty good job. Um, I really like Mindy Collings' character, who played Mrs. Who. Um, of all of the three misses that you meet in the movie, I thought that what they do with her character, how she only speaks through quotes that other people use, 
She, I thought that that was really cool. She's basically Bumblebee in Transformers. Yeah. I, I like <laughs> I like that concept a lot, and I would love to see a list of everything she said, but it did not work in practice at I, yeah. all. I, didn't um, I think my favorite actual like actor in the movie that I was just happy with his whole scene, and I think it was the best part of the movie, was whenever Zach Galifianakis showed up. Oh, that's what... Yeah, as totally happy medium. That. He comes in, and he absolutely nails a very heart like a touching scene kind of out of nowhere and it's like god damn this guy right in the can, middle this, of the this movie. guy can do it yeah. also michael pena i thought was delightful yeah. he had a, a very for small part once yeah, yeah for like one little short i, bit. I wanted more michael pena yeah Ad, definitely. adam you got you got one thing that you think really worked for you i hate to sound like a dick but you guys like uh stole the two positives i had well i don't i, don't, I was about to say there's really nothing else so <laughs> it's fine so the the zach galifianakis part and then the the emotional kind of message well, like Storm Reed was fantastic in the movie. I thought. Yeah, she really um, does well. Chris Pine, I I like Chris yeah. Pine. Chris Pine is like he was good, but he was like barely in it. Yeah, right. and he's also just too sexy of a dad. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> I bought I bought the family dynamic really well with uh, Gugu Mbatha Ra, you know, mm-hmm. and and their yeah. kid like. The the little boy, uh, Charles Wallace, you know, we'll talk more in depth about him in spoilers, but for the most part, I thought he did a pretty serviceable job. Yeah. Um, One thing about Charles Wallace, can someone give this kid a fucking nickname? Yeah. <laughs> Charles Wallace! Charles yeah. Wallace! You're running through the forest and you're yelling four syllables <laughs> to find this kid. That was so... Charles Wallace! <laughs> Just call him Charles. Just call him Charlie or something. I was, I was like, cracking up. I'm sorry, but it made me laugh. So Chuck? Yeah, call yeah. him Char- Charlie. Just call him anything. CW. Charles. CW. It was killing me. Yeah. Well, like, the I, first time they say his name, it's like kind of the sister like doing it like in a stern voice. So like, okay, yeah. she's like reprimanding. Oh yeah, this. Charles Wallace. But then it's just like, hey, Charles Wallace. It's like, what? Yeah. Is this it's kid like, a banker? That's not how people talk. I kept every time they says like afterwards we were trying to talk about it and I couldn't think of Charles Wallace, so I kept just saying George Michael. Yeah. That's all that I was thinking of was like Arrested yeah. Development. It's like it's George like a, Michael. He's like a fucking law firm. This yeah. kid. Um, that's beside the point. <laughs> I thought he was fine. I really, I also did think Storm Reed did well. Um, it's. Okay, so talking shit about child actors is cheap and it's shitty and it's really easy to do, so I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> Levi, <laughs> Levi Miller. Miller. Let's get into this, Calvin. This kid, this isn't going to get around to him. No one knows who we are. This kid sucked. I'm sorry. He's young and it's excusable. He, he was every not good. second that he was on every screen. Every take, he never had a good take. <laughs> and it really brought down the movie. Particularly because one of this movie was full of head scratching decisions for me on every side of production. The usage of close ups was a complete miss. Every scene with these kids, the camera is so zoomed on their face that covering the entire movie screen is a kid who's not doing a good job of acting. Yeah, it, and it, it just you can't hide it at that point. Yeah, they are just they went like balls out on just showing the entirety of the face. That also was an issue because it completely removed the sense of place, which is really what this movie should have been more about. They would introduce these cool locations and then just be like, all right, now back to these kids' entire face covering the frame. And it's like, well, what about everything in the background? Yeah, it was a very odd direction for it, them to do this, especially really with uh, Ava DuVernay, who has been like made some really, really critically acclaimed movies before. Adam, you've seen uh, 13 and uh, Selma, correct? Yeah, and that's the thing, like, and even in Selma, she does, like, close-ups and stuff, but, like, in this movie, it was, like, very, like, I don't want to say, like, obnoxious, but it was very, like, off-putting in some areas. Really? Like, I didn't know why she made that 
it, it just, choice. in my opinion, it just didn't work. Even though the shots were well composed and they looked good, it just didn't work for like the story, it, uh, uh, like the the whatever the the point of that particular scene yeah, was. Because it takes it, so it takes away from the sense of place. It emphasizes the acting, which was not great, and also it emphasizes what they're saying. And the script of this movie was very disappointing. It was to me. really bad. It was like, written by. Uh, it was written by the woman who wrote like Wreck It Ralph and Frozen. She's, she's written much better movies than this, and this script was so flat. To it's me. just like there's so many eye rolling moments, and I think another one of the reason why the the child performances in this movie bothered me is because we've kind of had several movies and TV shows lately with great child acting. So we become a little bit spoiled to it. When you look at the cast for it, stuff like that, these are kids. This is like their first major movie. Sometimes, I mean, there is a kid from stranger things, but there are these people who are just breakout stars and they're coming out and just killing it. So it's kind of disappointing when we get a guy like Levi Miller, who just like, <laughs> he has three expressions, the entire movie. He has pursed lips. Yeah. He has smile. Like, total douchebaggy smile <laughs> and then he has this look where his mouth is closed and it's like this worried look but his eyes look the same in all three of those faces yeah. and, so and it again, tells doesn't tell anything it's genuinely it genuinely is shitty to point this out but he was bad like it's it's not i don't know it's mean because he's just a kid and I, if i was a kid on camera when i was 14 i would kill myself yeah like i would hate that <laughs> let's get into some of the other performers yeah, there, there are plenty of other things to shit on is um, my point. so i liked you know chris pine uh mindy kaling you know she doesn't do too much uh but reese weatherspoon and oprah winfrey get a lot of screen time and a lot of lines and okay oprah I, I couldn't I couldn't do it I I don't I just, know I, I don't know tried. how anyone could watch this movie and not like be completely taken out of it every time Oprah says anything well, in this movie especially because she's fucking huge <laughs> so like we were sitting like two rows apart so I don't know if you heard me but me and my friend Zach we were like dying I, yeah I was Ernest trying, and I, I was were sitting next really to each other hard. and there was I. I was both, we were trying to hold it in, yeah. and then there's the scene where there's giant Oprah and they're flying and they graze her face. That was that was the weird. I was genuinely trying so hard not to laugh because I don't want to ruin it for people yeah. who are enjoying it. I, yeah. But Reese Witherspoon turns into a vegetable lettuce Brussels sprout dragon. The kids get on her back. It looks awful when they're riding her. It's like the manta ray scene in Finding Nemo, but way worse. And then they they go up to Oprah and he touches her face. And she's just smiling, and it's horrible. I was cringing. And it's not like a quick graze or anything. They like linger on it for like yeah, ten they seconds. They do. They that, do. That is that is another point I wanted to bring up. The choices made with editing in this movie are all head scratchers, and it's kind of also a directorial thing with and writing as well. Every time that there was something good happening, it ended after about two minutes. I felt like, and every time there was a bad scene, they just kept going. Yeah, they did not. They did not cut when they needed to cut. Maybe they just. They finished the final cut and they were like, we need some more movie in here or something. But like there were some scenes that were it's it would end and it was like, why was that like six minutes? It didn't really add anything to the movie. And I get the sense that this movie, uh, the pacing is so weird because it, it is, you know, based on a book mm. that is just this like epic adventure through 
the universe and and you know worlds and whatever but as a movie that has to be in under two hours you're just like jumping from place to place without any sense of clarity and that's well that's also because it's almost secondary to the message of this movie which like i said is a great message but they spend so much time drilling into your head that this girl is insecure and she shouldn't be that they're like oh and also they're traveling through space time yeah it's like that's way that's so interesting in, in the first act you know they're setting up this family dynamic they're setting up this girl as this kind of like nerdy loser girl whatever they're trying to get across and then you know you you're having these scenes with the principal and you know at the school and it's it's really setting it up pretty fairly effectively i mean the the bully is really corny but she she was also really bad in yeah but you're it's it's so it's so corny but the the storm reed uh, what's her name? Meg herself. Like you buy it, you get it. You know she's doing a good job. You're you're mm-hmm. you're connecting to it. And then the stuff with Reese Witherspoon and Mindy Kaling when they're introduced, it I felt like it absolutely came out of nowhere. Like oh, it did. It Reese Witherspoon did. just shows up at the house, and then they're walking down the street, and they're like, oh, let's just walk into Mindy Kaling's house because that's what the movie needs us to do right now. And it's just like. I was so confused. I don't know how a child could watch that and like yeah. understand See, what is happening. That was that was another big issue I had is this movie did a horrible job of establishing the rules of what was happening. Like there were no I just if anything happened I was like, "All right, I guess that can happen. No one has told me what is possible in this world." It's just so loosely explained and there's a way to explain it that's still accessible to children. Like I wanted to view this with in keeping in mind that it has to be simpler than I want it to be because it has to connect with kids. But there's a level of simplicity that is just kind of lazy, I feel like, with the script, and it kind of crossed that line. Well, yeah. like even that Levi uh, Miller, I can't remember the character's name, but like Calvin. he literally like shows up because um, he has a feeling that he should be there. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's horrible. That was just the laziest of writing. He's like, yeah, I just thought I should like be here. It's like, oh, okay, sick. So it's like, oh yes, you were chosen. You were called here, and it's like that doesn't make for a good writing, though. Dude, like that scene when when he shows up and then they go to Mindy Kaling's house. I literally thought, did I just like fall asleep for five minutes? Yeah, did, did you I, just like miss a did major I part? Miss something like no. I was so confused at that, and then then right away, you know, you're in the backyard and giant Oprah shows up, and you're like, okay, well, yep. I guess we're doing. This. Why is that not like a thing more that people like look outside their window and they're like, hey, it's a giant fucking oprah like giant person oh, even if oprah doesn't exist in this yeah. universe like, like oh here we go again with giant oprah yeah, in, my, like, in my backyard it's fucking bullshit. and like they try to like like make a woke thing out of it they were like is there any such thing as a wrong size yeah like, yes okay, we'll, like, oh that was a really bad line like <laughs> there were so many parts though in this movie where it was just like trying because i feel like the big problem of this movie or one of the many problems of this movie is the marketing is that i feel like if this was marketed as just straight up a kid's movie uh-huh. then like people wouldn't go into expecting to exactly. think critically but it's trying to be marketed as this big disney movie and all this shit it had like i think the actual budget for it was a hundred million but between this and uh between this and marketing, it's at about $250 million. Jesus so they're Christ. trying to make back as much money as they can. And it's going to struggle. It's not going to make I'm, back that like, money. I'm telling you, I was opening night, I was there, and it was pretty fucking empty. It's, Jesus. It's Oof. not getting good buzz. The Which, best buzz I've seen is that Marie Claire published an article called uh, A Wrinkle in Time is Bad, but that's completely irrelevant. 
that's, okay, <laughs> that's the most flattering article let's, I've seen. Let's talk I, about that for a minute because this is actually a, a, a discussion I think is, is worth having for, you know, we don't have too much time, but let's, let's talk about with this and, and Black Panther, we're getting into a little realm of film criticism where the, the movie is not the thing that is being reviewed and it's exactly. not the thing that is being discussed. And, and, and we experienced this with, with Black Panther, but now the Black Panther is a good movie. So now we yeah. get Wrinkle in Time that's not a good movie, and it has this like really backwards effect of completely ignoring the movie as a work of art. So I know on the pod we talked about how you can't really look at a work of art or a film in a vacuum and that anytime you interpret a film or any work of art, you're bringing in your experience of the world. But to what effect are you making the separation between the film and how it exists in the culture? Like it's here's the, I think that the biggest issue I have with that, because it should be said, like we did say, first and foremost, the message is a great message and it's going to connect with some amount of children. But the thing is, kids are not exempt from being able to think critically when they watch a movie. I was able to, as a small child, watch movies and be like, I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. Kids mm -hmm. kids don't like plenty of shit. So if it were a good movie in addition to having this message, it would connect with so many more children. And the whole point yeah. of the movie would be exploded well past what it is right now. Right. I mean, I still feel like... like and like look at Coco that came out last year. It was a movie that was made for kids, but it was also just a really good movie. But like Pixar has kind of mastered that, and yeah. I don't think that just because this isn't a Pixar movie, it's still Disney. Like it shouldn't be exempt from that. I just wanted to read um this headline from the Onion that I saw. I, was that I thought just was hilarious. About to say that. Yeah, negative review of A Wrinkle in Time, peppered with critic assuring readers he still totally supports diversity. Yeah, and that's like kind of how it is. You have to be like Wrinkle in Time was trash. But, like, that doesn't mean I don't think, like, women and, yeah. and, like, multicultural people shouldn't be able to make movies. It's just not <laughs> a good movie. Like, sometimes it's just, it falls flat. It's a good parallel with Black Panther because that's another movie with a message, but that is a good movie. Yeah. There's a big difference. Um, I don't know. Adam, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tricky line because it's undeniable that the diversity of this movie is a big deal to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And you can't take that away, like that and even aside from like the casting like this is one of the biggest budgets ever given to a woman um and especially like a woman of color like it's it's undeniably a big deal um so on all fronts i hope it succeeds in some sense but at the end of the day you just have to be honest with like how the film is because i feel like if you're not honest that's more insulting to ava as a filmmaker right um, yeah exactly that she isn't capable of taking criticism that she isn't you know she can't be exempt for yeah. making bad movies. Ex exactly. And I hope we get I hope we get to the point where, you know, black filmmakers can make bad movies. They can make good movies. They can make any movie they want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's just a like great an equal point. playing field. I don't either it was either Donald Glover or Kugler. They were quoted as saying like if you're black and you make something, if it fails, you don't just fail yourself, you fail the culture. Yeah, I think that was Kugler yeah, that and that's, said that. That's an incredible amount of pressure to have on you. And Ava definitely had a lot of pressure on her with this project. Um, and obviously she should still get work. It's not like she's, she's just not batting a thousand. Like, you know, and the thing is this movie isn't bad because of her. I don't think, I don't think entirely. Well, she yeah, did like this, make, I think the script is the main problem. It, see, this, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. She at least went for something really ambitious with this. And she made some risks and made some choices that didn't work out. But 
you can't say she played it safe with this. Yeah, I mean, she, every everything about this movie is really fucking weird and out there and strange, but none of it works. But at least she kind of went for the for the stars with it. Yeah, I mean, we can kind of get into whenever we get into spoilers because there is one scene towards the latter half of the movie that I thought was really cool and really well realized, and it just. I just wish that we would have gotten more of those scenes and that more of this world would have felt more lived in. Yeah, there were there were a few scenes that I really thought worked and they were just they were so they were almost completely forgotten because they were they were flanked on both ends by bad scenes. Adam, you got any uh, last thoughts before we go into spoilers? No, I mean, at the end of the day, I if we were just reviewing this movie, like because of its intentions and its ambitions, and like what Ava like was like trying to do with it, it would be like a great movie, but just doesn't work as like a complete vision. It I really, think. yeah, it doesn't. And it would be, con- I agree with you that it would be really condescending and shitty if we were just like, you did great, sweetie. Like, yeah, you did good so, for you. It's like, not good, but you did so great. Like, yeah, like what does that say about them as artists? Like, I don't feel like we should, you know, um, treat them like they're so fragile. I feel like they can take criticism, and that's the only way we're going to evolve in the industry. I I totally agree with that. And between this and Black Panther, I think that the fact that this movie um, doesn't work but still try to do something really crazy and weird, it just speaks to the the small little bits of really important progress that Hollywood is making with with taking these chances. You know, they they allowed Ava DuVernay to make this really fucking strange movie and fail at it. That that's that's something that's got to count for something. And it's not it wouldn't be right to uh, uh, go easy on her just because she's a a woman or just because she's black. Like she deserves to to be taken seriously like any other filmmaker. And I'll say this, like I even though I didn't like this movie like at all, I will take a movie like this any day of the week than like one of those like kind of middle of the road like standard forgettable movies. Right. Like I'll at least take a for like a really big, you know, ambitious mess like this than any of those other movies. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, um, let's get into spoilers. What, uh, before we get to spoilers, what would you guys give this movie out of ten? It's low, uh, man. It's um, fucking low. I'd go. I'd go four, maybe five, four, four and a half, five. I I went three and a half. Okay. Yeah, that's about where I'm at. About a three and a half or a four. I that's that's the area I'm in. Like it's it's some scenes in this movie are not forgivable. It's, they are just yeah, genuinely I, I think average. that like as a whole <laughs> there were flaws with every single component of execution in this movie. I just think that the fact that it's a kids movie kind of forgives a lot of that because of the message, because there is a large majority of children that will just understand the message of the movie, even though they may think like maybe it wasn't that good. They can it's, yeah. they can still take something positive away. Just, from yes, it. but just remember this: growing up, Batman and Robin was one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> so that tells you all that you need to know about kids' analysis and about I mean, Peter <laughs> and about me. Right <laughs> hey, Peter Abbott. Hey, Paddington Two. You might still be able to find in some theaters. It's it's just like I cannot imagine seeing myself at any age except for like four to six and enjoying this movie. I, it's very very simplistic and there's there are too many like i when i was about 11 or 12 which is the range that she's trying to say this is for i went with a bunch of friends to see max Payne in theaters <laughs> and we all that's a movie that's basically made for people that age because it's really it's it was an action movie but it's fucking awful 
and it's very simple. And we all left being like, that was bad. <laughs> I think that it's not giving kids enough credit that they'll like this. I think that you have to be really yeah. young to like this. But at least, you know, little five-year-old black girls can see themselves in the main character yeah, and that's, feel... That's the best takeaway of the movie is it's, it's huge for a sect of the population that is underrepresented. Yeah. And uh, for that... I guess it is worthy of existence. So now let's get into spoilers for A Wrinkle in Time starting now. Okay. So um, I think that one of the spots where this movie succeeded the most was whenever we first go into the land of the It. I don't remember the exact name of what it's called, but whenever they go into that black mess... Not the very beginning, because whenever they first enter, they go and they have this whole disaster movie scene with the the forest collapsing on them, Mm -hmm. and that looked like hot garbage. It looked like I was watching the new film Hurricane Heist or something. (laughs) Like It just looked terrible. But then once we get past that, um, and we have the whole beach scene where Michael Pena first shows up. That was a standout for me. That was really cool. And from that scene into where uh, um, George... Charlie Charles, Charles Wallace, Wallace Charles Wallace whatever <laughs> Charles Schwab. two name <laughs> well, remember Charles eats, Schwab he eats the sandwich which we're led to believe makes the it like possess him right well mm-hmm. no because Calvin also eats it and he like just I but mean I think that way like sand it yeah Charles like Wallace sand. was able to tell that it was <laughs> that he was eating sand so I guess that means that he was smart enough to be possessed by this guy I don't know that parts the actual rules of this world. Exactly. completely fall it's apart so, the more you think it's about so them. muddy but i thought the direction in that scene and then moving into wherever they entered the white room i thought that that whole scene was really really cool the whole idea of michael pena as this like puppet figure that just i mean the actual collapse of him could have looked a little bit better but just that whole idea i thought worked really really well yeah it, it yeah, was like, one of the standout i don't ones. know like, I don't know if you guys remember, but when we were out of the theater, I was kind of saying how this kind of felt like a David Lynch thing. A yes, little bit. that's like, yeah, I did with wanna, the final like, thing inside the it. Like the, well, that too. And also the white room, like where those uh, like the concepts. Right. Were like, yeah. The um, white lodge and the black lodge. Like staircase. I, yeah, I meant to say earlier, that's one thing that this movie does that I think think is pretty interesting is it kind of introduces horror to children in a way. Like yeah. there are a lot of scenes that like. If you were just watching the scene alone, if you watched the beginning of that kickball scene where they're all just bouncing the kickballs in their driveways, yeah, and you didn't, if you didn't know what movie you were watching, you'd think, oh, this is going to go really bad. Yeah. But then it's just like they just leave. It just doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I was really I thought that scene was going to go like somewhere really dark and I was excited for it. But then they just kind of like walk away from the neighborhood, which was a little bit disappointing. That was that was the scene I was talking about when I said it's it was about five minutes and nothing happened mm-hmm. because it, something could have happened. That was a really compelling image. I thought just yeah. a neighborhood full of kids. That's that freaked me out. Yeah. And obviously she, they can't f- commit to horror they can't make it just fucking terrifying but i think they could have done something more instead of just being like hey let's go <laughs> yeah. I don't know, dude, the opening disney logo of this movie scared the shit out of me <laughs> when it when disney became inception for a second like <laughs> that, yeah that was dr strange that kind of set up a whole different movie <laughs> yeah i don't dude, I really a understand that. Soda and like i actually flinched when that happened yeah it was, pretty... it was just so out of nowhere <laughs> yeah that scene and then the michael pena stuff it kind of the michael pena scene was very spy kidsy 
It, like, it was. Yeah. I was definitely yeah. getting Spy Kids vibes. It, it, I, I can see that. Just because, like, like when he, he puts down the, his glasses and he has red eyes, and it's like it, that's a very Robert Rodriguez feel. Yeah. Um. It like there there are inklings of good things, but then like whenever there was something good happening, the scene just ended. Like, five, and I I thought that the uh, the actual place where uh, Chris Chris Pine. Uh, his character yeah hotline was, bling yeah that ho- looked, the that, hotline bling world that looked awesome it looked really cool like i thought that <laughs> yeah. that whole that whole little area looked it was really a real cool. set it but just like it was really like it felt out of space and time like that, he see, had that whole moment that was cool but then it's just like everything else it's kind of taken away by the scene immediately before that where she's climbing the blueprint walls I thought that looked unbearably bad. I yeah, I really it was rough. It was like the video for Take on Me, which is in the eighties, <laughs> and the Take on Me video looks better than this. <laughs> and it it really and also another issue I had, which is a very cynical, shitty thing to say, but this movie is scored by a series of very uplifting pop songs by uplifting female pop artists. Oh yeah, and it felt like it felt like Suicide Squad at points. It just it's yeah. There's a way to use them, but they use four of these songs in the film, and it makes certain scenes feel like a music video. Yeah, yeah. just like that scene, the the blueprint scene. It was scored by like Sia, I want to say, and it was just it felt like it was a, an advertisement. There was a Sade song in there too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the credits, like immediately, there's like a DJ Khaled verse. Like, yeah. <laughs> when it says directed by Ava DuVernay, like another one. Yeah, yeah. another oh, one. God. It just a lot of times it kind of felt kind of like an advertisement. But um, also, I just wanted to talk about we're gonna shit on Calvin a little bit more here. But <laughs> oh, no. uh, and this is Sorry, less dude. so about the actor himself and more about the writing. So. We have after like you know uh, Storm Reed and her dad are reunited. Um, I keep blanking on Meg and her dad are reunited, um, and then her dad is just like totally willing to just like totally fucking leave George Wallace. Like, how about <laughs> let's talk about that for this being that a was, kids movie. That was very weird. There is this part where the son is <laughs> the son is possessed, and he's just like, I made I made a. a, a tether whatever it's called and he's just like we have to go like right now yeah and she's like what about daughter's like hey what about what about your son and he's just like ah it's too late let's let's dip out of here that was genuinely the straight me and allison like looked at each other like is he gonna leave his fucking kid and then he just like fucking left his child like what the fuck and that was never like there was never a question wherever they like returned home at the end of the movie like hey dad remember how you were just gonna like fucking leave me in that dark abyss like why was that never answered also okay so we can assume that because meg doesn't go home with her dad but calvin does go with him i want to see that movie because yeah both (laughs) calvin and chris just like disappear from the movie at that point on until the very end for like a solid 20 minutes so do they just return home and there's like chill outside talking he's just like so uh trying to fuck my daughter or (laughs) what like what are your intentions yeah (laughs) and so if they just like get back to the house early why hasn't the mom like walked outside and seen her husband come home yet that's okay there's that's, so many like questions that's that also come in the that's final also part. another scene with a that is so true that george wall i wanted to say that earlier because that's so weird he's like yeah no fuck my son yeah. Yeah. But, so then but then after that the pacing of the scene the reuniting scene was it's really bad yeah. the whole ending is it's like so slow it's like already. can we please wrap this up we got yeah, it like, like we know what's gonna happen there's there's like a minute a full minute of reaction shots whenever a character is introduced to another character yeah it's a full fucking minute. And, and it's like, we know. And the whole sequence of her like flying through the tether, like in mm. slow motion. I actually thought that was shot cool. It looked but good. But at that point, I was. 
because I just wanted the movie to end. Yeah, when we were because up to that point, being in the it world, I actually thought that it looked for the most part really cool. There were like some issues, like the blueprint scene and all that stuff. But like whenever they have the whole scene with Meg and George Wallace, and she's just like, "I love you, I love you, and I love myself." The message, the secret yeah. of yeah, and it she was sees very, her doppelganger. Yeah, it was very that was uh, really cool, which is her with straight hair. But <laughs> I just little tidbit. Um, did you know that the it was voiced by the guy who played Martin Luther King? Yeah, I saw um, that on here. Oh, oh yeah, uh, oh, oh yeah, well, what's his name? David, David Oyelowo. Oyelowo. Now that's range. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> from MLK to the it. <laughs> To Pennywise, yeah. so the opposite of MLK. Um, no, yeah, I, I did not like the look of that world at all. And then as soon as they started doing the whole love is the is the key to transcend love, time, Murph. it was so interstellar. I was like, love transcends time, Murph. It was, <laughs> yeah, Charles Wallace. Where are we? <laughs> I thought. Another... Hey, one thing's for sure: Matthew McConaughey would never left his fucking son, <laughs> <laughs> um, or Tars either, <laughs> or Tars, but. Another another po- like small positive is I thought it did look very cool like the the fabric of space time just the little translucent wavy yeah, things that was cool that was a good look there's just it's so hard yeah like Go not ahead. all the visuals in this movie were bad or anything yeah no exactly it's just it's hard to not view it as a whole as just bad when so when the much script of it is, is bad setting up those yeah beautiful that's, images that is the biggest head scratcher of all this for me if you they brought in such a consistently good screenwriter and the the other co-writer of it maybe he's the problem the last movie he wrote was 10 years ago and it was bridge to terabithia which is honestly a good kids movie and yeah it's good and I it cry. deals and it deals with heavy subjects much better than this movie did without being preachy in any way yeah i mean the thing that worked the best for a wrinkle in time in my opinion is the the like emotional little monologue that oprah gives where she explains like what the it yeah is, and it's, and it's, and it's the doing montage. the montage of all the, yeah that was great that's the yeah. best part of the movie and i thought that 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 was what the movie was really going to be that about. was that was with whenever they were in the middle world yeah, right yeah Zach that that Gotham whole scene was the best just because you see like you get a snippet of the bully and how she just like has this like kind of like eating disorder anorexia problem and yeah. like all these like things right. that fuel people's evil tendencies and everything i thought that that was definitely the best part of the movie yeah that was i mean that scene was frustrating because it was a great scene in a movie that just was not working and it just gave you potential of like what this movie could have been exactly, for like exactly. how hard that scene would have hit if yeah. it wasn't a good movie well it comes in the middle of the movie so it's at a point where you think like oh is this about to take a turn yeah right maybe it'll, that's what happens with a lot of movies like annihilation i i said like halfway through i was like i don't know and then the bear scene i'm like I'm in, and it and it delivered throughout the rest of the movie. And I I was thinking that I was like, okay, wow, this is going somewhere. Yeah. And then it just went right back to bad. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about Oprah's like dialogue? Because all, most of the stuff she says in this is like stuff that is like very on brand for her corporation. Like, very, yeah, I was like, gonna say, I'm convinced there was no dialogue. She just kind of like showed up. <laughs> yeah she just wrote all of her own lines it's just like, really strange to me that you just have oprah in this movie and she's just like a big like media mogul in a giant disney corporate film i mean saying like all all of the empowering stuff was very on brand for of, of a current rhetoric that's being pushed by a lot of people which is i can only say so many times a great rhetoric but it's it's things that like are not it's fucked up, but they're just, they're not fresh. Like all these, there, there were literal sentences that I've just heard before and like articles and things about the same subject. 
it didn't really have a fresh take. I yeah, guess? and there were there could have been ways to do this a little bit more smoothly, like a little more subtly, maybe. Exactly, it was so overt. It almost at times reminded me of a, like a movie that everyone in your class in elementary school would go to the guidance counselor and they would put on a movie to teach you a lesson. Yeah. Like it was just all about the lesson. And they're traveling through the fabric of space time itself, <laughs> and it and it's just more about like this uplifting message. And it's like you gotta you gotta balance your time a little more, or else it just comes across as really preachy. Yeah, there's there's a lot in this movie where you you think that if if maybe a little bit more time would have been taken to tell the story in a different way than the way it was told in the book, it could have worked out a lot better. But there's just so many things that just absolutely don't work i mean they've said this book is unfilmable and i guess it is just i'd see i genuinely don't think that though like you read it no but the basis of this movie could have been great I that's think... what i'm saying like if mm -hmm. you don't try to stick so hard to the actual story from the novel and you just take like the general themes and ideas and turn them into a new story that works in a film it would have worked a lot better that's, that's kind of what they did i mean they updated the message to be way more like neo relevant right um I just think like the basis of the bones of this story are so solid. That's why it's such a good book and it's filmable because they're in so many incredible settings. Yeah. I think it, I think it could have worked. I don't want to excuse it uh, on that basis. I really think that this could have been a great movie. I don't think giant Oprah could ever be in a good movie. I'm I just, just say it or <laughs> leaf person Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Oh, see Oprah. I also don't think Oprah and Reese Witherspoon did anything wrong. No. Yeah. I don't blame them either. I blame yeah. the actual, the script that was, Given yeah, to them. like yeah. I could, I could even be like, okay, that's maybe that's a character, maybe that's not Oprah, but then she's humongous, yeah. and it's like I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon was having a blast. She was honestly, she was having a blast in this movie. That was that character was. Uh, you guys seen Enchanted? Yeah. yeah. When when she just pops up in their house, it was like it was like Amy Adams in Enchanted. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Adam. Any final thoughts? Um, I I just want to say one thing. We've been shitting on Levi Miller a lot. I want to say he's actually a pretty good actor outside of this movie. Maybe it's is not, he? His character was very poorly written. I'll give him that. Have you guys seen this movie that came out like I think it was two years ago? Uh, Better watch out. No. No. Better not cry. <laughs> oh, actually, it's, I've um, heard of this movie. He it's, plays a, Santa. it's a Christmas horror movie. Oh my right? god, was he Pan yeah. in Pan? Yeah. Yes, yeah. he was. Oh no. <laughs> I never but, saw Pan, so I can't speak but, to that. Uh, but you've seen Better Watch Out. Yeah, I have, and it's amazing. Okay, I really want to check that out. I love like Silent Night, Deadly Night is like one of my favorite like horror movies, just because it's so like slapsticky, and I kind of love shit like that, like just like this really isn't... corny ho holiday horror movies. I yeah, but you're right. I I don't want to completely blame this kid when his character was all of, all of his lines sucked. Like they really did. He was a classic one-dimensional love interest. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. That's one thing that just, we mentioned is that th this is usually the role reserved for like the girlfriend. Yeah. And, and for they, like the person of color, and they yeah. flipped it, which is funny. But they also didn't write a good character, yeah. which is not so, good. And so he went, and he went like full fuckboy, like halfway through, like when they're in the water. He's yeah. Like, Do you not even know how beautiful you are? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. He did. Know how special you are. I love. Your oh my hair. god. Yeah. He I, kept just saying like multiple points in the movie. I love your hair. I, like, I hated that. Yeah, I just... Does he have more facial reactions to things and better watch out than he did in this movie? Because he had three to my count. I just Yes, but it works well in that context. And I, okay. I do feel bad. It's like the John Mulaney quote where he's like, you know when you're 13 and you're like, no one look at me or I'll kill myself? That's <laughs> If I was filmed when I was his age, I would, I would hate it. But... He's 
Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard. Um, I mean, overall, the movie, hard, the movie has a good message. And, and the fact that it exists might, like, you know urge some young children to look inside themselves and find a little bit more positivity and, and mm. fight the darkness in the world. But we got to talk about this as a movie. Yeah. And that's why it kind of falls apart. So. Okay. I feel like Charles Wallace kind of represented like the whole idea of there being potential in his acting, but then sometimes it just being really bad writing to the point where I'm like, did he just like phone it in for this scene or is this just the writing that is that bad? Because there are some certain scenes in there that it just seemed like he just was just, he was like so hammy in this movie, just like yeah. hamming it up. Yeah. And I thought but that, he, I mean, he's a young child. Yeah. So but his, like... it, it turned around a little bit more when he actually got possessed. Cause then he just started calling out his sister for like some real ass shit. Yeah. And then it was like more believable, See, but there was a point halfway through. Oprah. Huh? That was the funniest part of the movie for me. <laughs> um, other than Oprah, that was the funniest part. Like, yeah. he was just, like, going off. Of yeah, that, like, evil Charles yeah, Wallace. Yeah, dude, just, like, fucking, dis- like, destroying, roasting the shit out of his sister. Yeah, that, it's just a strange movie. I And, like I said, I do like that it introduced elements of darkness to a child audience. But, like we said, if it were a good movie, it would reach probably ten times the amount of people it's going to reach with its good message. Yeah. yeah. You know, if I'll, it could do both. Also, a I totally bought Charles Wallace as like an evil entity. Oh yeah, I'd I'd, yeah. I'd kill that kid. Sign yeah. that kid up for <laughs> Twin Peaks: The Return season two. Am I right? Yeah. Oh, like wait, we're talking crap about like Chris Pine leaving him behind, but would you do any different? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I never liked that fucking kid. I made a mistake adopting <laughs> yeah, that motherfucker. He's like, why yeah. did I adopt this child? Finally, an excuse. <laughs> He's evil. All right. Well, let's wrap it up on that note. Let's. Uh, yeah. So we bought a mic. Uh, on Facebook and at We Bought a Mic on Instagram. You know, send us your thoughts. Let us know if you love The Wrinkle in Time. Um, Let us know if you love The Wrinkle in Time, but you hate diversity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's a person I want to talk to. <laughs> that's an interesting person. Adam, where can we find you on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me at on Facebook, Twitter, Letterboxd, um, at Adam Sidorius. Wait, is it, is it Letterboxd? Is that how you say it? Oh, What's I that? I, we we say letterboxed. Yeah. Letterboxed. Oh, yeah. Either letterboxed. Oh, holy <laughs> well, shit. You might be making us look like idiots right now. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have... I feel stupid now. I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe, all maybe those links right. are at, at the bottom. At Adam Sidorius? Yeah. Nice. Cool. How do you spell that? Um, S-I-R-D-O-R-E-U-S. Nice. Okay. What about you guys? Um, I'm on Letterboxd at Drew D. I probably am not half as active as Adam is, so check him out before you check me out. Um, <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Drew Dietzen, and that's that's it. Don't Hunter? Don't make um, a point of it. I'm on uh, Twitter and on Letterboxd at Hunt Mobley, H-U-N-T-M-O-B-L-E-Y. Um, I've been doing lots of uh, reviews lately for different uh, movies that been uh checking out getting screeners for us so uh yeah go ahead and yeah. check me out thanks for the hookup adam that was uh, hey, good man. maybe Same next time, time maybe, you guys made it way more entertaining yeah, yeah maybe next time we can go to a better movie <laughs> yeah. all and next time we'll have you in person on yeah the pod too. let's yeah. know if you get those ready player one screeners because i'll be all Ooh. over that yeah, oh, yeah. the yeah. screens would be in vr so just get ready <laughs> oh fuck yeah 4dx <laughs> uh well you can find me at calderness on twitter and instagram i've uh, been posting some good stuff you know some thoughts here in there and uh yeah let us know what you think of the show leave us a review on itunes with your thoughts maybe we'll read it on the air and uh yeah send us your fan mail yeah if you send us some fan mail we will uh read it out 
and uh, ask us some questions. Ask us like about our deepest, darkest secrets. And we'll come <laughs> clean right here. On the record. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Adam. This has been a good time. Good time. <laughs> thanks for having me, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Next week, we'll have what? Uh, Tomb Raider? More Atlanta, maybe Tomb Raider. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Who It'll knows? be good. Maybe Peter Rabbit. Who knows? Yeah. Fortnite. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye.